Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean. Today, we're going to go over the Cleveland Browns' 32-23 victory over the Indianapolis Colts. I want to start off with the winning team, which, of course, today was Cleveland. And that means we're looking at Baker Mayfield and what he could do. And while he had a little bit more passing attempts today than the usual, he still wasn't able to convert it into a whole lot. 247 yards, two touchdowns, but the two INTs kind of wipe out one of those touchdowns depending on how many points your league deducts for interceptions. He, he is throwing a tight spiral, and he's not a negative running the ball when he's has to flush from the pocket, but he's still not very fast, and his arm strength doesn't seem to be on the elite end for the NFL, and it causes him to push balls when he throws it downfield and he does not even really still giving Odell Beckham much of a chance to catch the ball downfield on the truly deep passes. Now, in the intermediate, Odell is still absolutely catching the ball and making Mayfield look somewhat startable. But at the same time, I'm just not sure that it's somebody that you're going to want to have in your lineup even in the bye weeks. Now, there's probably going to be worst options for you. But at the same time, I just don't trust this offense from week to week. Um, especially without Darius Leonard for the Colts this week. Still, if you have Baker Mayfield as your quarterback two in a two-quarterback league, I'm sure you're fine with that. There's definitely been more up-and-down options. He, he's been somewhat stable, and he's very accurate in the intermediate term. And when he's not having to throw the ball in the 25 yards and more category, he's fine. It's just when he is throwing those balls – He's forcing it. He's throwing it where nobody can get to it. And it feels like he's having to overthrow the ball to get there, and it's affecting his accuracy. And overall, that's capping the upside of everyone in the offense. Because if he could really push the ball downfield, that would push everybody a little bit further down in the coverage, and there would be less people to stop the run, and they would be able to run the ball more effectively. It's kind of a balancing act that most NFL teams are trying to cultivate. And – it's just not cultivating absolutely correctly when Baker isn't able to take advantage of those things in the offense that automatically come when you're able to run when the way they're able to run the ball. So if he was able to take advantage of that down the field, then they would be able to push them further back and it, just, it all would work off of each other. Instead, because he is limited in that fashion, either whether, whether it's because of his size or his arm strength, it's hard to tell at times but it just feels like he's having to put too much of his body into throws at times, so he's not able to make the throws when the, con- the pocket is congested, and when he is able to make the throw down the field, he's not giving his wide receivers a chance to catch it as much, and it's leading to just an overall averageness for the offense and the wide receiver weapons. Not recommending going after Baker at this point. Certainly he needs to have a juicy matchup in the bye weeks for me to really look at that. And it really caps my want to go after Odell as really the only option I trust in the Cleveland offensive passing attack. I mean, really, he is the focus of the passing attack, and that's good. That's very typical for a Kevin Stefanski offense in the mold of the Minnesota Vikings. But still, he's only got five for 58. He's throwing a pass. Great. That's only worth half a point typically, maybe a little bit more. I mean, it's just inconsistent for my taste for a wide receiver too at this point, and that's where you drafted him. I mean, even if it was the fifth round, that's still what your expectations were, and he hasn't met those expectations outside of last week when he played the Cowboys pushover defense. So 
and it hurts me to say that, but it just he took advantage of cornerbacks that are just really struggling at this point. And I just don't see that being a sustainable thing for him going forward. While he's got all the talent in the world, it's, it's the opportunity. It's them running the ball. It's Baker not being able to connect on the deep passes. It's just a track record of doing so. Take as much time as you want to put together a highlight reel of completed Baker Mayfield passes beyond 25 yards. I'd love to see it because I'm guessing it would take you all day and you would have to watch every film of every game he's played in the NFL at this point to really put that together because it just hasn't happened to this point. And it's weird because it happened better in college than it does now. And like I said, when they brought in Odell to try and help that, because Odell is one of the best at high pointing balls at catching the deep ball, at getting open and getting separation. And he's doing those things. It's either Baker's not seeing him right, or he's just not, doesn't have the arm strength either way. It's not going to lead to him having the fantasy value we saw at draft time two years ago. And certainly you didn't draft him as such. Now the hope was if you did that, he would kind of ascend and get it right in this year. And I don't see that happening at this point for him, for Odell, for Landry, for Hooper, all of those different passing catching options. I'm not really interested in outside of the deeper formats with three wide receivers, et cetera. And even still, you're probably not happy with the price you paid for Odell to this point outside of the boom week last week. And then potentially as bad as he had played to that point, I mean, you could have been not starting him, and which is even frust- more frustrating at that point. So last week I was frustrated with the usage of Kareem Hunt. Despite Nick Chubb going down for six weeks, he really didn't get the usage that I was expecting from him when he went out. And this week was a little bit more indicative of what I was expecting. You know, he had the 20 carries. He was able to get Corral the three catches for the 21 yards where he added the touchdown and really sealed up his day. Of course, the 72 yards rushing. It wasn't particularly explosive. There wasn't a lot of big holes for him to run through and a lot of people not hitting him until five yards down the field. It was more him creating and him having to close out the game against what is a traditionally a, a tough rushing attack, without, even without Darius Leonard, who really makes that defense go. You know, adding to Forrest Buckner has been big for Indianapolis. So I don't really put this on Kareem's Hunt's shoulders. What I do like is the usage and him being more of the lead dog than last week. And really, it was just him and Dearness Johnson. There wasn't as much of that Hilliard person as there was last week. And that really helped him seal up the value. And, of course, the positive game script from them being up in the game also led to more touches for Kareem Hunt. Now, I wish I'd have seen more as far as what he could do with those touches, but I also don't put that all on him. I put that more on it just being more of a stalemate up front than it normally is for Cleveland with their offensive line. So you like what you're seeing there from the usage standpoint. I don't think I'd be selling off of the 72 yards from Kareem Hunt. I think I'd be keeping him at this point and then waiting on seeing, you know, how fast Nick Chubb actually does come back because it was a pretty significant injury. And while it is something he's expected to recover from this season, it's not always a one-to-one where that happens. And really I was, I was preaching this the other day to someone that, you know, you don't want to necessarily sell those guys where their running backs are coming back all the time because sometimes they come back and get injured right away and, and you're right back to where you were when, when they were out. So you want to be careful of that kind of in the mold of Mike Davis, you know, they're talking about Christian McCaffrey coming back soon. And certainly while he's healthy, he's likely going to dominate the touches. I don't think I'd be getting rid of Mike Davis, even if that happens because 
he's the most likely to get re-injured, and then you're putting that guy right back in the lineup because Mike has shown he is absolutely capable of taking hold of this role with the running back out. And I do believe Kareem Hunt showed me a bit of that today. And it's really not even, like I said, what he did from a production standpoint. It's more the touches. It's more how involved he was with the offense. And I feel good about that. And I think that makes me more hopeful for Kareem Hunt. I mean, I could definitely see how you could sell him after last week and say, okay, I think this is as high as it's going to go as they were using all the other backs. But I think this is a clear sign that this is how it's going to go from here on out if Kareem Hunt is healthy. So this is kind of where I'd buy him, kind of maybe in the back end of running back twos, probably a better flex if you could help it. But still, I think he's going to be able to produce because in Cleveland's heart of hearts, they want to run the ball. They want to run everything through the run because they know in their heart of hearts that Baker isn't capable of supporting them in five-step drops and really you know, throwing the ball all the way down the field like Aaron Rodgers. He's just not capable. I don't think he's shown anything to this point that he is. So. I'll wait for those highlight films where he actually does that before I believe it. Let's switch over to the Indianapolis Colts. I think a lot of people had higher hopes for the Colts than I did when they put Phillip Rivers in charge of this team. I didn't necessarily like what I saw from Jacoby Brissett when he had, when he had the reins last year. I didn't think he was truly someone that you're going to want to start from week to week. I think he's a better backup. I think he's a really quality backup but I just don't think he's one of the top 30 quarterbacks in the whole NFL, uh, nor would I want him to be my starter of the future. And so I get why they brought in Phillip Rivers and they committed to him in the way that they did. Now it's still just kind of a one-year commitment in the contract, but still they put him in the reins here and they're going to have to live with the results because he was a bit off today. And while he's still capable of producing and hitting open receivers, et cetera, he just thinks he has more arm than he does. He thinks he has the old fastball that he used to have when he was at his prime. And he is the worst offender of trying to still make those throws and not playing within himself. You know, a lot of people probably got onto me a little bit for praising Drew Brees against the lions. But what I liked about that performance was he was able to play within himself. He doesn't throw a good deep ball anymore. And so he didn't try to force the issue in that way. Philip Rivers is forcing the issue and being extra in that way. And it's costing the Colts wins. And I don't know how long they're going to stand behind that. And you're probably not starting Philip Rivers in many formats outside of like a bi-week quarterback two in two quarterback leagues. But still, I'm disappointed for the options of this offense and the way that Philip Rivers plays because he just doesn't have the fastball he used to. And when he tries to fit it in those tight windows with the throws, he used to be able to sling around. It's just not working. They're making picks. They're picking six. I mean, it's just not a good scenario for the Colts options overall. And then you throw in the fact that the options are a little muddled as far as how they're distributing the targets. This creates for a chaotic scene overall for everyone outside of Jonathan Taylor. I mean, even T.Y. Hilton has had trouble producing value when they're not able to sustain drives because Phillip Rivers is turning the ball over or he's taking a sack because he is somewhat of a statue back there. And they're able to – when when the quarterback is a statue in the pocket, the defense is able to really pin their ears back and go after that quarterback because they know the point in the pocket that they have to reach. So when you know that, with a running quarterback, they can move around and you're not always rushing towards that same point. 
with a statue like Phillip Rivers, when you're able to rush towards that point, it creates a huge disadvantage for the offensive linemen and a huge advantage for the defense, and they're able to get after you in a bigger way. And when you're able to get after a quarterback and make them uncomfortable, and when, especially when they don't have the fastball, then they're going to make mistakes and they're going to try and press, and it's going to lead to mis- just an overall disjointed effort from the offense. And it's affected all the different options of the Indianapolis receiving core. And none pissed me off more than Trey Burton being out on the field. He seems somewhat invisible when I see him out there. And I saw him in a, and I'm desperate in a tight end situation. And I didn't even think I could stomach picking him up because I wish Mo Alley Cox was out there. He has 10 times the, the physical weapons that Trey Burton probably ever had. Now he might've had him in his prime, but he got hurt and he's no longer prime. So I'm not recommending that at all. I'm not recommending anything outside of T.Y. Hilton as a wide receiver three at this point with the erratic play of Phillip Rivers. I mean, even – I mean, there's no nobody that stepped up really to consolidate the value of the wide receiver two at this point once Paris Campbell got hurt. So once Paris Campbell went out, the value of the wide receivers got distributed and not enough of it went to T.Y. Hilton to really push him up the ladder to where I would like him to be. And while the Colts are going to have better days from a passing aspect because Cleveland really was able to get after them and really put Phillip Rivers off his mark, I still don't think he's capable of really producing in the way that's going to lead to something meaningful for T.Y. Hilting as a top 20 wide receiver. So I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about the use of Moali Cox. I want to see more of him. I hate seeing Jack Doyle and Trey Burton taking his targets. I think they'd be a lot better off putting him in that role. And uh, I'd also like to see Jonathan Taylor used a little bit more in the passing game. Maybe I just haven't seen it, and and maybe it's just because his hands may be suspect. I'm just not so sure what their deal is. But I wanted to see him get more involved as the feature role back. Maybe he's not ready because he's a rookie, but I don't see anything to indicate that. And unlike most rookies – Wisconsin running backs are more capable of shouldering that load because they have had to carry the load of a college program like Wisconsin where they do run the ball in more of a featured way. And with the line that they have, I'm surprised that they haven't run the ball more effectively and really have been more committed to the run at this point. So it concerns me to this point that they haven't really gotten there And while I'm still in on Jonathan Taylor, and if anybody is looking to sell low on Jonathan Taylor, absolutely you should take advantage of that because they should feature him more. Surely they're seeing the same thing that I'm seeing, and they're concerned, and they want to make sure they're protecting Phillip Rivers by running the ball. That's what they should want. They got a little behind in this, and like I said, they were able to get after Phillip Rivers. But still – I think Jonathan Taylor is able to produce. I just, like I said, I wish they used him more as a feature back. So he wasn't quite so game script dependent, but that may be what we have to deal with at this point, especially with Naheem Hines kind of siphoning off some of those carries and those touches. So it's something we'll have to deal with, but I think if I could, I think I would buy low on Jonathan Taylor as one of the few options I'm still confident in, in the Indianapolis attack. Anyway, that's what I've got for today. Appreciate y'all's time. Like, listen, subscribe, download. Those are all important for us. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.